This is your Safety Investigations News Brief for May 7, 2021. I'm your host, Charles Current, and here are this week's headlines. National Discount Retailer Faces 265000 in Penalties for Repeat Violations. Federal Judge Finds Florida Behavioral Health Care Center Exposed Workers to More Than 50 Attacks by Residents and Allowed Destruction of Video Evidence. Mexico City Subway Overpass Collapses, Killing At Least 24 and Injuring Dozens. CSB holds public board meeting to adopt final report into 2019 hydrogen sulfide release in Odessa, Texas. A Piper 600 Aerostar crashed near LaBelle, Florida, with one fatality. The NTSB is investigating the crash of a Robinson R-44 helicopter near Monroe, North Carolina. Also the crash of a Cessna T-210M airplane near Oxford, Iowa. And the crash of a Mitsubishi Mu-2B-60 airplane in Hadesburg, Mississippi. NTSB issues a preliminary report for the accident that killed a BNSF conductor near Louisiana, Missouri. And the NTSB reports that lack of continuous monitoring is at issue in a shipyard fire. And the UK's AAIB reports biocide fuel contamination was the cause of an A321 emergency at London Gatwick Airport. And Canada's TSB says unstable approach led to a Dash 8300 hard landing and tail strike. OSHA cites Beverly Hills Dollar Tree for exposing workers to safety hazards. They say Dollar Tree workers across the country continue to face the same hazardous working conditions at the national discount chain as they have for many years. Since 2016, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration has inspected company locations more than 300 times. Following an October 2020 inspection at Dollar Tree Store in Beverly Hills, Florida, OSHA determined the company exposed workers to fire, entrapment, and struck by hazards, blocked exit routes, and improperly stacked boxes and other materials that might fall or injure workers. OSHA proposed $265,265 in penalties. They say since 2018, inspections at Dollar Tree stores in Alabama, Florida, Georgia, and Tennessee have resulted in proposed penalties of more than $1.3 million. Nationwide, Dollar Tree inspections in the past five years have resulted in proposed penalties of more than $9.3 million. Dollar Tree stores have a history of not taking the safety of its workers and customers seriously, said OSHA Area Director Danielle Jindra in Tampa, Florida, until appropriate precautions are taken to protect their employees from these well-known and frequent hazards, OSHA will continue to hold them accountable. The company has 15 business days from the receipt of citations and penalties to comply, request informal conference with OSHA's area director, or contest the findings before an independent Occupational Safety and Health Review Commission. Headquartered in Chesapeake, Virginia, Dollar Tree Inc. is the leading operator of discount variety stores, serving North America for more than 30 years. The company employs about 193,000 associates and operates stores under the Dollar Tree Family Dollar and Dollar Tree Canada brands. In Brandonton, Florida, a federal administrative law judge has determined that Brandonton Behavioral Healthcare Center and its management company exposed workers to more than 50 attacks in two and a half year period when residents kicked, pinched, bit, scratched, pulled, and used desk scissors as a weapon, and that both entities deserve to be sanctioned for destroying surveillance videos showing this workplace violence. In a 170-page decision, U.S. Department of Labor Administrative Law Judge Dennis Phillips found UHS of Delaware, Inc., 
a hospital management company, and Premier Behavioral Health Solutions of Florida, Inc., exposed workers to workplace violence and showed bad faith in allowing the destruction of videos that showed instances of workplace violence at the facility. Premier operates as Suncoast Behavioral Health Center in Brandonton. UHS, one of the nation's largest health care service providers, manages Suncoast Behavioral and more than 300 other behavioral health facilities nationwide. The judge's decision follows an Occupational Safety and Health Administration investigation at Suncoast in 2017 after a patient jumped over a nurse's station and stabbed an employee with a pair of scissors. OSHA determined UHS of Delaware and Suncoast exposed employees to workplace violence hazards that included physical assaults and attacks on staff. OSHA cited Premier Behavioral Health Solutions and UHS and proposed penalties totaling $71,137. Violence, particularly against healthcare workers, is a leading cause of injury in the workplace. The U.S. Department of Labor will pursue all available legal actions to hold employers accountable and ensure they take all feasible steps to keep employees safe, said Regional Solicitor Tremel Howard in Atlanta. In April and August 2019, the department's regional office of the solicitor in Atlanta conducted a 13-day hearing in on the merits, during which 15 direct care workers testified about their experience with violence at the facility. Department attorneys established that between January 2016 and July 2018, at least 55 incidents of patients attacking staff occurred. As part of his decision, Judge Phillips held UHS and Suncoast liable for the citation and found existing measures taken to address the hazard of patient-on-staff violence woefully inadequate. The judge assessed a penalty of $12,934. In addition, the judge ordered the employers to pay $9,600 in attorneys' fees as a sanction for the employer's bad-faith destruction of relevant video surveillance evidence. The judge found that UHS and Suncoast should implement abatement measures that include but are not limited to the following. Developing and implementing a comprehensive workplace violence program, hiring staff with specialized training in security to be available on all shifts and on all units for the sole purpose of monitoring patients and responding to acts of patient aggression, performing practice drills on how to respond to acts of patient aggression, and reconfiguring the nurse's station so patients are not able to jump over or into it. This was the fourth trial against a UHS Inc. subsidiary brought by regional solicitor's offices, and the second in which Solicitor of Labor and OSHA named UHS of Delaware as an employer in addition to the subsidiary facility. Suncoast Behavioral Health Center is an acute psychiatric facility in Brandonton, and facilities provide inpatient and outpatient treatment for children, adolescents, adults, and mature adults who are experiencing emotional and behavioral issues. An overpass carrying a subway train collapsed in Mexico City late Monday, killing at least 24 people, including children, according to local government officials. At least 79 people have been hospitalized, officials added. The collapse happened near Olivos Station at 10.25 p.m. local time, according to Mexico City Interior Minister Alfonso Suarez del Rio. The train was traveling on an elevated part of the city's rapid transit system on the newest Line 12, also known as the Golden Line. When part of the overpass collapsed onto traffic below, Mexico's Secretariat of Risk Management and Civil Protection said, 
international engineering experts will be called to help determine the cause of the collapse, which the country's foreign minister, Marcelo Ebrard, called the most terrible accident we've ever had in the public transport system. Mayor Claudia Scheinbaum told a news briefing on Tuesday that alongside an investigation by the Attorney General, we will hire an international company certified in metros and structural matters to conduct an external technical investigation. The Secretary of Foreign Affairs, Marcelo Ebrard, said he will fully cooperate with all investigations into Monday's deadly subway overpass collapse. Embrard, who served as mayor of Mexico City at the time the subway line was constructed, said, I'm at the complete disposal of all relevant authorities, as I've always been, for everything that is needed. Mayor Scheinbaum said the public prosecutor's office will carry out all the investigations, will make all the expert reports to find out what happened in this accident on line 12 of the subway. Mexico's president, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, offered his condolences to the families of those killed at the press briefing. He added the investigation into the cause of the collapse should be done quickly and that nothing should be hidden from the public. There is no impunity for anyone, he said. On May 4, 2021, the U.S. Chemical Safety Board adopted its final report into the October 26, 2019 hydrogen sulfide release at Aghorn Operating Water Flood Station in Odessa, Texas. The release fatally injured an Aghorn employee who was working at the facility that evening, as well as his spouse, who attempted to locate him at the facility after he did not return home. The CSB report details the following safety issues at Aghorn. Non-use of personal hydrogen sulfide detectors. Non-performance of lockout-tagout. Confinement of hydrogen sulfide inside the pump house. Basically, lack of proper ventilation. Lack of safety management program, non-functioning hydrogen sulfide detection and alarm system, deficient site security. As a result of its investigation, the CSB is making several recommendations to Aghorn Operating Inc. for safety improvements at all water flood stations where the potential exposure to dangerous levels of toxic hydrogen sulfide gas exists. These include mandate the use of personal hydrogen sulfide detection devices, Develop site-specific, formalized, and comprehensive lockout-tagout program for each facility. Commission an independent and comprehensive analysis of each facility to examine ventilation and mitigation systems. Develop and demonstrate the use of safety management program that includes a focus on protecting workers and non-employees from hydrogen sulfide. Ensure that hydrogen sulfide detection and alarm systems are properly maintained and configured and develop site-specific detection and alarm programs and associated procedures. Ensure that hydrogen sulfide detection and alarm system designs employ multiple layers of alerts unique to hydrogen sulfide and develop and implement a formal written site-specific security program to prevent unknown and unplanned entrance of those not employed by Aghorn. In addition to recommendations to the company, the CSB made recommendation to OSHA to issue a safety information product that addresses the requirements for protecting workers from hazardous air contaminants and from hazardous energy, and a recommendation to the Railroad Commission of Texas to develop and send a notice to operators, to all oil and gas operators that fall under its jurisdiction, that describes the safety issues described in the CSB's report. The audio from the meeting was posted to this podcast feed last Wednesday. 
A copy of the video is available on the Safety Investigations Podcast YouTube channel if you want to check that out. A Ted Smith Aerostar 600 impacted the terrain northeast of LaBelle Municipal Airport in Henry County, Florida. Following the loss of engine power, the twin-engine airplane sustained substantial damage and one occupant was fatally injured. The other occupant on board received serious injuries. No word from the NTSB at the time of this recording as to whether they are traveling to the scene or not. The NTSB is investigating the May 2nd crash of a Robinson R-44 helicopter near Monroe, North Carolina. NTSB investigator expected to arrive on scene May 3rd, 2021, according to their tweet. The NTSB also said it is investigating the May 2nd crash of a Cessna T-210M airplane near Oxford, Iowa. NTSB investigator is traveling to the scene, and they are also investigating the May 4th crash of a Mitsubishi MU-2B-60 airplane in Hadesburg, Mississippi. Two NTSB investigators are traveling to that scene. The NTSB issued a preliminary report Tuesday, May 4th, for its ongoing investigation of the April 7th, 2021 accident that killed a BNSF conductor on an industry track near Louisiana, Missouri. On April 7th, 2021, at 3.30 p.m. local time, a BNSF railway conductor was killed while dropping off and picking up cars in an industry facility outside of Louisiana, Missouri. The train, BNSF Local 837, consisted of two locomotives, 21 cars, and a modified flat car. The train crew consisted of one engineer, one conductor, and one brakeman. Immediately before the accident, the engineer was moving the train southeast on Dino Noble Inc. industrial track at a speed of less than 9 miles per hour, with the conductor controlling the movement with the engineer by radio while standing on the ground. The brakeman was riding the north side of the 8th rail car. Preliminary information indicates that during the movement, radio communication between the conductor and the locomotive engineer ceased. The engineer stopped the movement, at which point the brakeman observed the conductor lying on the ground next to the rail on the south side of the car. The NTSB investigative team examined the accident location, collected and gathered preliminary information, conducted interviews, and obtained drone video footage of an accident reenactment conducted while on scene. The NTSB's investigation into this accident is ongoing. Future investigative activity will focus on causal factors and railroad worker safety in industrial facilities. Parties to the investigation include the Federal Railroad Administration, BNSF, Brotherhood of Locomotive Engineers and Trainmen, and the International Association of Sheet Metal, Air, Rail, and Transportation Workers. A 2020 shipyard fire aboard the Iron Maiden was able to start and spread without notice because no one was continually monitoring the vessel while fire detectors were shut off during repairs, the National Transportation Safety Board said in a report issued on Tuesday. Marine Accident Brief 2111 details the NTSB's investigation into the April 16, 2020 fire aboard the dive support vessel docked at the Allied Shipyard in La Rose, Louisiana. The fire caused $900,000 in damage. There were no injuries. While the fire caused extensive damage throughout the generator room, the NTSB found fire pattern and damage indicating the fire started near the forward bulkhead. 
because the battery charger, alarm panel, and generator push-button start-stop panel were in the area of the fire ignition identified by fire investigators, an electrical short from one of these components may have been the source of the fire. However, the exact location of the source of the fire could not be identified by fire investigators. There was no crew member or shipyard worker staying on board the Iron Maiden during the night of the fire. The vessel's fire detection system was shut off while work was being conducted within the vessel to prevent false alarms from smoke and dust. In addition, there was no shipyard policy or vessel owner policy in place to have the shipyard personnel or vessel crew members conduct safety rounds after hours when there was no work being done on the vessel. Fire and flooding are risks for both crewed and unattended vessels, the report said. To protect personnel, property, and the environment, it is good maritime practice for owners, operators, and shipyard managers to coordinate and implement some form of continuous monitoring for vessels undergoing maintenance in a shipyard, in layup, or in some inactive period without regular crew aboard. Continuous monitoring can consist of scheduled security rounds and or active monitoring with sensing and alarm systems. The Marine Accident Brief 2111 is available online. Links will be in the show notes. The UK's Air Accidents Investigation Branch, AAIB, released a report that says biocide fuel contamination was the cause of a February 2020 Airbus A321 emergency at London Gatwick Airport. As part of scheduled maintenance overseas, Golf Papa Oscar Whiskey November underwent a biocide shock treatment on its fuel system using Cathon Biocide to treat microbial contamination. The aircraft returned to the UK on 24 February 2020 once the maintenance was complete. In the 24 hours preceding this serious incident, there were abnormalities with the operation of both engines across four flights. On the flight before the fourth event flight, the crew reported momentary indications of number two right engine stall. After the aircraft landed, this was investigated using an inappropriate procedure obtained from an aircraft troubleshooting manual not applicable to Golf Papa Oscar Whiskey November, but no fault was found. The aircraft took off from London Gatwick Airport runway 26 left at 09 hours on 26. February 2020, but around 500 feet AGL, the number one left engine began to surge. The commander declared a mayday and turned right downwind for the immediate return to the airport. But shortly afterwards, the crew received indications that the number two engine had stalled. The crew established that the engines were more stable at low thrust settings, and the thrust available at those settings was sufficient to maintain a safe flight path. They continued the approach, and the aircraft landed at 020 hours. Investigation identified the following causal factors. 1. Golf Papa Oscar Whiskey November's fuel tanks were treated with approximately 38 times the recommended concentration of cathon. The excessive cathon level in the aircraft's fuel system caused contamination of the engine hydromechanical units, or HMUs, resulting in a loss of correct HMU regulation of the aircraft's engines. A troubleshooting procedure was used for the engine number two stall that applied to the LEAP 1A32 engines, but Golf Papa Oscar Whiskey November was fitted with CFM 56 5B33 engines. The procedure for the CFM 56 5B33 engines required additional steps that would have precluded 
Popper Oscar Whiskey November's departure on the incident flight. The investigation identified the following contributory factors. The aircraft maintenance manual, AAM, procedure did not provide enough information and enable maintenance engineers to reliably calculate the quantity of cathon required and the specific gravity value of cathon was not readily available. There were no independent checking procedures in place at the base maintenance approved maintenance organization to prevent or reduce the likelihood of calculating and administering an incorrect quantity of biocide. There were organizational factors at the base AMO that contributed to the incorrect cathon quantity calculations. In particular, the workload was high for the available facilities and personnel, and there was no internal technical support function for engineers to consult when they were uncertain. Number four, the manufacturer-recommended method of searching the troubleshooting manual was not used to find the applicable procedure relating to the number two engine stall. Following the serious incident, safety action was taken by regulators, the International Air Transport Association, the manufacturers of aircraft, engines, and biocide, the AMOs involved, and the operator. The specific action taken is detailed in Section 4.2 of the report. Redundancy in safety critical systems is one of the principles supporting the safety of commercial air transport, but fuel contamination undermines that redundancy because it can affect all engines simultaneously. It is essential that maintenance systems are resilient to errors that can lead to fuel system contamination. Therefore, five safety recommendations have been made in this report to promote the classification of biocide treatment of aircraft fuel systems as a critical maintenance task, which will require that an error capturing method is included as part of the task. And I'll have a link to that report in the show notes. The Transportation Safety Board of Canada, or TSB, found that the January 2020 hard landing and tail strike of a DHC-8-300 in Schaeferville, Canada, was the result of an unstable approach. On 20 January 2020, a DHC-8-314 operated by Air Inuit was conducting a flight from Quebec Jean Lesage Airport to Schaeferville Airport with three crew members and 42 passengers on board. During the landing, the rear fuselage struck the runway as the wheels touched down. After landing, the aircraft taxied to the terminal to disembark the passengers. There were no injuries. However, the aircraft sustained substantial damage. The investigation found that the flight crew forgot to perform the descent checklist and realized this at an inopportune time while the captain was providing a position report. Given ambiguities and contradictions in the company's stabilized approach guidelines, the captain interpreted that he was allowed to continue the approach below 500 feet above aerodrome elevation, even though the aircraft had not been fully configured for the landing. When the aircraft passed this altitude, the pilots, who were dealing with heavy workload, didn't notice and continued the approach, which was unstable. At the time of the landing, the aircraft no longer had enough energy to arrest the descent rate solely by increasing pitch attitude. The pilot's instinctive reaction to increase the pitch attitude during the flare combined with the hard landing resulted in the rear fuselage striking the runway, causing substantial damage to the aircraft's structure. The investigation also made findings as to risk related to Air Inuit's standard operating procedures, 
and training, and to Transport Canada's oversight. Transport Canada assessed Air Inuit's SOPs, but did not identify any specific issues with the Operator Stabilized Approach Guidelines. If TC does not assess the quality, consistency, accuracy, conciseness, clarity, relevance, and content of SOPs, the procedures may be ineffective, increasing risks to flight operations. Additionally, the captain had not received many of the required training elements during his recurrent training. If required training elements are not included in recurrent training, and if TC's surveillance plan does not verify the content of crew training, there may be procedural deficiencies or deviations, increasing risks to flight operations. Following the occurrence, Air Inuit took a number of safety actions, including the revision of all of its SOPs to improve guidelines on several subjects, including stabilized approaches, and the revision of its training program to ensure that all training elements are covered within the two-year recurrent training cycle. You can see the investigation page for more information, and the link will be in the show notes. That's it for this week's Safety Investigations News Brief. Thanks for listening, and check back next week for more. Bye.